I'm Jeremy Schistler with Schistler Farms in Mason, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We got another week rolling, so we got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up as we take a ride around the Lone Star State to cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's about time to start planting a new wheat crop. But unfortunately, with that bad wheat crop we had last year, we're looking at a possible shortage of seed in many areas of the state. Well, it's going to be tough to find seed, but you need to be careful about exactly what you buy and where you buy it from. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains wheat farmers need more rain as they get ready to begin a new season. But at least the market situation is strong. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Central Texas corn harvest is yielding lower quantities and lower qualities of the crop due to the drought and excessive summer heat. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story from Bell County on Texas Ag Today. Why does a farm bill matter? I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on discussions about the next farm bill on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It will soon be time to plant the next wheat crop, but thanks to the awful crop we had this past growing season, finding seed may be a challenge. Westbred wheat regional agronomist John Fenderson. Well, that is very true, Kerry. The uh, the supplies of available uh, certified seed are are very tight. Uh, growers need to be talking with their seed suppliers right now, uh, and uh, and get those uh, seed supplies secured through those those individuals that they uh, do business with. And with a shortage of seed, it may be tempting to go outside of Texas to find some. But Fenderson says you should be very careful when doing that. Be careful about uh, the variety you select. Certainly things that are adapted to uh, our rainfall areas. Let's take, for example, eastern Oklahoma or eastern Kansas may be in ample supply, but they don't necessarily fit Plainview, Texas. So where we have ample supplies of wheat seed in the east, uh, not necessarily in eastern parts of Texas, but in eastern Oklahoma, eastern Kansas, uh, they have excess seed, and they're going to be trying to move some of that seed. And I just want to make sure that people are aware that not every variety uh, is going to fit. Fenderson recommends contacting an agronomist like himself who's familiar with the variety you're looking at to make sure it will work for your region. 
Secretary of State Tony Blinken says the recent grain shipments from Ukraine are a good first step, but they're small compared to the amount of stored grain the Russians have blocked from export until now. Blinken was speaking to reporters at the U.N. recently and was asked about the first shipment of grain from Ukraine's major port of Odessa. This is a good and important first step. We were pleased to see that the first ship did move. It does have uh, 26, 27,000 tons of grain, but keep in mind, there are something like uh, 20 million tons that are in, uh, in silos and in storage in Ukraine uh, that's been held back by the Russian blockade of Odessa up until now, and it needs to get out. Blinken says the world is depending on it. It needs to get out to world markets. It needs to get to places where people are in desperate need of food. It needs to get out so the prices also uh, continue to, uh, to go down, uh, not up. And that will take shipment of much more grain than the initial shipments. It's a start, but the test is now really in the days and weeks ahead. More ships need to move. More grain needs to get to market. That's what will really make a difference. Since Blinken spoke, 10 ships have been authorized to leave Ukrainian ports. Texas High Plains wheat farmers need more rain as we get closer to planting this new crop. But James Hunt says at least the market is strong going into the new season. With planting for a new winter wheat season about to get underway, Texas A&M grain marketing economist Mark Welch is visiting our region this week to meet with farmers. One thing Dr. Welch wants to assure producers is prices remain strong for wheat despite a recent decline. Basically all that inflated price that we saw when Russia invaded Ukraine. We've given all of that back. But that said, we've been on a path of higher grain prices and commodity prices in general for the last couple of years. And so again, stepping back a little bit, we're still at a relatively high level. Even though, again, we've given up maybe some of the premium that was in the market over the last few weeks, there's still, I think, some good profitable opportunities that are out there. And I think one thing to consider particularly if we're looking at the wheat market is we're very close now to the time period in which the risk management agency will set the base price for revenue-based crop insurance products. That will start in the middle of August and run to the middle of September using the July 23 contract. So if you look at where that contract is trading right now, we're still at relatively high levels for the last couple of years and relatively high levels historically, which again, if we're establishing a relatively high base price for our crop insurance products, that's a key consideration and an important facet of our risk management profile and, and the safety net for revenue that we can start to put in place for this 23 crop. So yeah, we've given up the record highs that we saw in the market, but again, stepping back and looking a little longer context, these are still really good prices. Dr. Welch is giving presentations on wheat marketing at an AgriLife Small Grains Conference in Groom on Wednesday, and also at the Wheat Heart Wheat Conference in Perryton on Thursday. Contact the Extension Service for more information about those events. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn harvest is winding down in central Texas. Tom Nicoletti checks in with one farmer there for a look at his harvest results. My guest today from Bell County is Aaron Martinka. He is a corn farmer who uh, primarily uh, farms in Milam County, but also Bell and Williamson counties of uh, Central Texas. And uh, Aaron, uh, your harvest is complete. Uh, what kind of yields and uh, quality did you receive as you've endured the drought of 2022? The yields were uh, definitely below normal. I'd say yields were probably 30% less than normal. Quality, we had low bushel weight, low test weight corn, very small kernels caused by the dryness and the heat we had. On my farm, looked like I averaged about 60 bushels an acre, which compared to last year, which last year was an above normal year. 
was probably about a third of last year. And most of your crop was dry land, so uh, certainly uh, with no rainfall, had a big impact. Oh, for sure. I will say our, our crop was progressing rather impressively with minimal rainfall we had up until the point of June. When June hit, the moisture really ran out. I tell you, the heat really took a lot of our yield more so than I expected. I theorized that just the heat alone took uh, probably 20% of the yield that I was expecting. It just like dehydrated the corn. It, it just shrunk so much more than I thought it was capable of shrinking. Once the harvest is completed, corn stalks that remain, what are farmers doing in that respect? Yeah, there is a lot of corn stalks getting built up for cattle feed. So you can just drive around and see them. You can drive on the roads and just constantly passing trucks, pulling trailers full of corn stalk bales. Because at this point, that's the only thing left. I mean, it's the only hay that's going to be made between now and spring of 23. That again is Aaron Martinka. He is a corn farmer in Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 2023 Farm Bill debate is now underway, but why does it matter to Texans? Gary Joyner takes a look at that question. The Farm Bill is a package of legislation passed by Congress roughly once every five years. Discussions of the next Farm Bill are already underway. This is more accurately a food and farm bill. Funding in the legislation provides a comprehensive package of programs for farmers, as well as access to safe and nutritious food for families in need. Nutrition programs are 78% of all mandatory spending in the Farm Bill today. This unified approach is the right approach. The Farm Bill is a critical tool to ensure our nation's food supply remains secure in all seasons. We must modernize it to meet the challenges facing farmers and ranchers today. The Farm Bill is key to sustainability advances in U.S. agriculture. Those are achieved through an array of conservation programs and investments in research, which is urgently needed as we work to feed a growing population using fewer resources. The previous two farm bills included significant farm program reforms to ensure government support is market-oriented and serves as a safety net. The fact that the 2018 farm bill has paid out less than projected is evidence of the responsible approach taken. The Farm Bill has a long tradition of bipartisan support. It's important for lawmakers to work together to ensure America's farmers and ranchers can continue to provide the safest, most affordable food supply in the world. The Food and Farm Bill matters for all Americans. For Farm Bureau Roundup, I'm Gary Joyner in Waco. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is accepting comments on a few proposed changes to the state's chronic wasting disease zones. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have those details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a swollen ear is a common occurrence in many dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Have you ever had a dog's ear swell up really big? I had that happen to a dog not long ago. Dr. Bob Judd says he sees that a lot in his practice. These ear hematomas occur due to trauma to the ear, usually from the dog shaking the head or scratching the ear, and commonly occurs in dogs with floppy ears. Shaking and scratching the ear is usually caused by allergy with secondary infection in the ear, although could be related to ear mites or even fleas. Historically, this condition has required surgery to open up the skin of the ear, clean out the blood and the swelling, and suture the ear skin down to the cartilage of the ear to prevent further bleeding. The surgery is effective, but usually requires general anesthesia and requires significant aftercare with bandaging of the ear and head. Multiple techniques have been used to treat this condition, and a new one was just published by Rachel Siebert from Tennessee. This technique involves making a small incision in the ear and instilling a tube with suction to continually suction blood as it develops. This technique is supposed to limit crinkling of the ear, as is common with other procedures. The disadvantage to this technique is that it requires a wrap to be attached to the dog's ear, which may be okay for some dogs, but others may attempt to scratch it off. This may be a good option in some dogs. I treat most of these cases a little differently and use prednisolone orally as a treatment. Although there are some concerns with using prednisolone over a four-week period to treat a hematoma, it is far less expensive than other treatments and avoids anesthesia. Also, I've not had any problems using a short course of prednisolone treating these cases, as long as you select the cases that likely will not have an issue. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is accepting comments on proposed changes to the state's chronic wasting disease zones. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting comments on several proposed changes to the state's chronic wasting disease surveillance and containment zones. One of the proposed amendments to the state's CWD plan would enlarge the CWD containment zone in Medina County in response to a free-ranging white-tailed deer testing positive for the disease within the current containment zone in February. The extension of this zone would also impact parts of Bandera and Uvalde counties. The department is also proposing enlarging the CWD surveillance zone in Kimball County so that it includes the city of Junction. The department says that would allow hunters to transport carcasses to processors and taxidermists in Junction without carcass movement restrictions. The department is also proposing the creation of a surveillance zone that would impact parts of Duval, Jim Wells, Live Oak, and McMullen counties. That comes after the detection of CWD in a deer breeding facility in 2021 in Duval County. The department's also proposing a new containment zone in Kimball County as the result of two white-tailed deer testing positive for the chronic neurological deer disease at a breeding facility's release site in January and February. Texans can comment on the proposed changes until 5 p.m. August 24th on the TPWD website, tpwd.texas.gov. There's a box on the front page of that website that says Public Notice. There you can read the proposals and comment. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will consider those changes at its next meeting August 24th and 25th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
It was a good way to start the week on the cattle trade. We finished higher on both live and feeder cattle, but lower on corn and wheat. We'll look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833 833- 8972474833897 Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth but hey we all need help sometimes if you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times give them a call 8338972474 or if you can't write it down go to farmlifehelp.com Do me a favor don't wait call them today We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Not a bad way to start the week on a Monday in the cattle trade. We finished higher on both live and feeder cattle futures. Adding money to the cash cattle trade last week helped out. Also, a drop in grain prices on Monday helped support the market as well. August live cattle up 47 cents, 138.35. The October up 35 cents, 144.22. While December live cattle were up 47 at 150.45. Bigger gains on the feeder cattle market. August feeders up $1.75 at $181.27. September feeder cattle up $212, $185.65, while October was up $1.75 at $187.70. Cash fed cattle trade all quiet on Monday, as we usually see. Last week, we topped out here in Texas at $136. We saw sales as high as $146 up in Nebraska and Iowa last week. Boxed beef was higher on Monday. Choice up $1.79 at $266.41. Select up $1.15, $239.82. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy, it's time to talk to that little country ball of fire, Maddie Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. They sell them every Thursday, and they did so this last week. Maddie, how did that last sale go? We ended up with 1631 with 285 cows and 33 bulls, 237 sellers and 76 buyers. Walk the pins with us. On the stalker cows, uh, we didn't have too many good young pair to pick from this week. A couple of the better pairs from 1,000 to 1,175. Uh, the mediocre middle-aged pairs from seven and a quarter to 975. The longhorn and the planer pairs from four and a quarter to 700. The good bred cows from 750 to 1075. The mediocre and middle-aged cows from 550 to seven and a quarter. The good high-yielding cows from 70 to 89. The medium-yielding cows from 55 to 69. The low-yielding and lightweight cows from 30 to 54. The good high-yielding packer bulls from 92 to a dollar nine and a half. The low and medium-yielding bulls from 60 to 90. And on the calves in New Orleans, they sold real good with most classes three to five higher on a relaxed market. So all in all, it was a pretty good day. Are you aware of anything for next week, Madison? 
Yeah, we've had a couple calls, uh, you know, lining up trucks already for next week, but uh, I'm sure we'll get, get some business drummed up between now and then. Okay, I hope you have a good sale. We're on the line with Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock, otherwise known as the Cattleman's Daycare Center in Lockhart, <laughs> Texas. Maddie, tell everybody how to get hold of you, or if they just want to send their husband to the daycare this next Thursday. We are not taking any more. We, okay. we have enough here, I promise you that. All right. Um, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. All right, Cattleman, if you're listening, put your snack order in before next Thursday. She's got to go to Walmart. <laughs> okay, Larry, just antagonizing me. Bye, Maddie. Bye. Neighbor, we have fun on walking the pins, and I hope you do too. Thanks for listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and me, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs closed higher on Monday. August hogs up 97 cents, 121.80. The October up $1.90 at $100.30. Class 3 milk was mixed. The August down 4 cents, 19.98 a hundredweight. September milk up 12 at 19.42 a hundred. The cotton market put in a lower close after trading higher earlier in the day. Traders still concerned over the drought here in Texas. That's helping to support prices a bit. However, the market tested last week's high. Then some speculative selling came into the market, pushing prices into the red. Falling outside markets added pressure to that as well. We closed with October cotton down 10 points, 101.58. The December down 54 at 95.59. Corn market trading the weather as we usually see at this time of year. We got pretty good rains in the Midwest. South Dakota to Wisconsin got rains over the weekend. Northern Illinois also getting good rains. So that pushed the corn market down just a bit. September corn down one and three quarters, 608 and a half. December corn down two and three quarters. 607 and a quarter. We had a mixed close in the wheat market. Hard wheat finished slightly lower, while the soft wheat market gained ground. In September, Kansas City wheat down a half at 847 and three quarters. New crop July down a half at 857 and three quarters. But the Chicago wheat market was higher. September, Chicago wheat up four cents, 779 and three quarters, while new crop July was up two and a half at 830 a bushel. In the energy markets, September natural gas down 44 cents, 761. September crude oil up $1.61 at 9062 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon with the Dow up 60 points, 32,863. The Nasdaq down 13, 12,644. The S&P down 2 at 4,142. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.